welcome to the HR Means Business podcast on the HR Happy Hour Network. I'm your host, Mervyn Dinham, and today I'm delighted to be talking about a topic which to me is, is highly important in the world of HR for certainly this year and moving forward. I've constantly been interested by what I call the, the, the cycle of engagement, uh, the kind of uh, organizational culture, uh, well-being, mental health, how we support our people, the kind of experience they get, how they're able to develop the skills and knowledge they want, uh, how engaged they are with the business, which, of course, all leads to improved productivity, which in, uh, leads to retention and uh, improved business results. Um, and it's the career experience bit which interests me. Um, and I recently uh, was very impressed to see uh, a speaker at a conference, uh, a guy called Nick Holmes, uh, who is head of career experience at a company called Fisherwack Health. Uh, and I'm very pleased that he's agreed to be my uh, guest on this podcast episode when we talk about the whole area of career experience. What is it? What does a head of career experience do? Uh, and why every organization needs somebody to do that. Uh, Nick, good morning. Welcome to the podcast. And why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, Mervyn, how are you? Yeah, good. Great. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me and allowing me some time to talk about um, what is, you know, I guess in essence, a hobby, which has turned into a profession of mine, which is quite nice. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm Nick. I am the global head, as you mentioned, of career experience at an organization called Fisherwack Health. We are a 1600 human strong commercialization partner for the healthcare industry. So we offer um, innovative solutions around marketing, consulting, policy, value, evidence, access, medical communications to the the healthcare world and beyond. And um, I joined the organization in May 2021 um, and haven't really looked back. And that's when we started to sort of embark on what we rebranded professional development and turned into career experience, which I think sets us up for the future pretty nicely. Uh, that's so, yeah, thanks for having me. Looking no, forward it's, to chat. It's a pleasure. So I suppose... The first question is, you know, uh, that some listeners might be asking is, what is career experience? Um, how does it fit in with, you know, all the expressions we've been using over the years about, you know, engagement, development, retention, and, and you know, what is career experience? What are the component parts of it? How, I mean, how is the thinking around this? As you said, it's kind of hobbies of yours that have turned into a, uh, a, a full-time role. Um, so how has that evolved? Yeah, great question. Um, and to be honest with you, and this is sort of where the whole world of how we think and feel at work needs to sort of change and evolve. Um, it's a it's a design that's been tailored for the needs and the problems of the organisation that I walked into at Fisherback Health. So in terms of very simply, what does it look after? The, the career experience team is is the custodians of culture. They are the, the shapers of how we think and feel at work. And that is everything from the, the moment that someone steps foot inside the organization to the moment that they become an alumni, right? So that's everything from how they, from day one, how they move through the organization, how they perform, how they develop, how they learn, how they grow, how leaders are made and shaped, how behaviors are instilled in the business, how teams communicate and collaborate with one another. Um, and we designed the whole premise around this idea that, well, work is all about experience. 
experiences. Life is all about experiences. Um, and if you can take a, a human and provide them a once in a lifetime opportunity, if you can take a human and provide them an incredible experience at work, if you can provide them more experiences, um, you can keep people. And in an organization like ours, where we are professional services, we have incredibly talented humans who supply the healthcare industry with their knowledge, their, their power in their brains and their fingertips, rather than a specific product that's coming off a factory line. It's really important we keep great humans in our business, as in most businesses, right? But then if you keep really good people, you have an energy in your organization and you attract really great people too. Um, and then you deliver amazing work for your clients. So that's kind of the reason why we exist is to make sure people will stay. And when they're here, they're not here because they're held against their will, but they're here because they want to do great work in an environment that's incredibly supportive to them, um, which is kind of key. But as I mentioned, sort of career experience is built because we we just, there was sort of a bit of a blue ocean in the organization. No one really put a stamp on traditional L&D or professional development or growth or talent development. Um, and it was an opportunity to rewrite the rule book a little bit, which is what we've done. So what are the uh, internal challenges that career experience would address and and, and um, help help with? Yeah. So essentially, if you take it sort of the top line metrics organization, so engagement, how do people feel when they're here? How engaged are they? Um, how do we keep people post two years of tenure? How do we keep people when they're leaving underneath 12, year, uh, underneath 12 months? Um, when you look at some of the big projects or the big considerations we had is coming into the organization, there was no way of knowing where our people were in terms of their careers, where they wanted to take their careers, um, no succession planning in place, no way of talking about talent in a development mindset, no way of scoping and shaping behaviors that are going to drive our leadership capability internally. Um, to your point, I know we'll touch on this a little bit later, but you know, putting our arms around wellness and learning and training at every point of the life cycle, um, understanding about what skills exist in our critical roles and how we develop those skills to make sure people are progressing at the right pace throughout our organization so we can grow. And, you know, as an organization, we've grown from 800 to 1600 people in less than two years. Um, with that sort of rapid growth comes its own challenges around well, now you should be able to move people freely within your organization. That's not quite the case. You've got to build the philosophy and the policy and the nuts and bolts of that too um, to keep people. So big challenges around keeping great people, making them feel sure they're engaged, growth, real large-scale growth, and then also just building out an infrastructure of a department and a team. It's, it's a big thing. Um, so it, it seems to merge in, I suppose, a number of different areas. There was some talent intelligence there. There's obviously what I suppose historically we've seen as, you know, le learning and development, performance management. Um, how would you explain, I suppose, to, to the audience for this is, is very much uh, for this podcast, very much the HR recruitment audience. But, but how would you explain to somebody outside of that uh, what career experience is? you know, how, how it's evolved and kind of um, in terms of a traditional organization, what are the bits that, that would now fall under career experience? Yeah, great. So, if you, I mean, if you take a traditional sort of HR operating model and you take a model where you've got business partners, HR operations and your CVs, right? So in terms of our center of excellence, that's still sort of the case within Fisher. We have a strategic business partnering function. We have an amazing um, ops team we have um, a really great talent team as well who are focused on bringing wonderful people into our business and we have a dni director too 
um, where the career experience team plays is very much as that expertise in the room when it comes to the employee life cycle and the entire employee experience from onboarding through to promotion, progression, performance, growth, leadership, promote, etc. But more than that, it's seamlessly bedding into every single capability to understand if you're a consultant or a project manager, how do we take your career and provide you the right progression opportunity at the right time? Um, we are custodians of technology. So how do we use technology in a really smart way to provide people a once uh, in, you know, an, an incredible employee experience from the minute they join and that stop throughout their tenure at the organization? We also control you know, recognition you know, because it's a huge part of how you feel at work. And when we distill it right down, our team is all about how do you think and feel about the work you do? How do you think and feel about the organization you work for? Um, we've got to try and make sure hearts and minds are really lifted and elevated whilst keeping credibility with the business by saying we are here to also meet those strategic and business goals too. So whilst we would traditionally sit in the org chart in the people space, we are very much embedded in, into the culture of all of our capabilities, or well, that's where we want to go and where we try to make sure we are a partner across all of that. And that's, and that's where you sort of see the, where the, well, the traditional sort of L&D side of the world sort of needs to shift and change, you know, instead of being this sort of one part of a centre of excellence under a traditional Ulrich model, it needs to evolve into something more and different. But that evolution is very specific to your capability or your division or your company that you're working in and for um i like the concept of a journey um as i've written about it as, as some listeners might know two books the the first book uh, exceptional talent was about the new talent journey and of course the second book digital talent was about the digital talent journey um for for a new employee maybe at the start of their career or the very early stages of their career what does I suppose the career experience journey look like to them? I mean, what's what are their first yeah. touch points, and and how will they be um, affected by it and supported by it? Yeah, so this is a really this is a really good question. What we've what we strive to achieve is to create this fabulous environment where you walk in and you're able to grab your career and own it, and that's enabled through really strong clear processes, but also really smart technology. So take the role of a project manager or a junior project manager coming in from day one so from day one you get this nice personalized welcome message from the senior leadership team around you you're then flowed into sort of some of the key need to knows and the nice knows of the world of work through our a new platform we've introduced called connect um, and then leveraging other pieces of technology you can actually then see what skills you have today where and what skills you need to level up to take that next step from being a junior PM to a project manager. Now, managers are then equipped with the right nudges at the right time throughout the employee life cycle to say, now I'm going to have a coaching conversation with you. Now we're going to talk about what well, your career. Now we're going to talk about compensation. Um, and now we're going to talk about, you know, what your growth opportunities look like. And by the way, by being part of a network of 1600 people, you can see loads of those different jobs and those aspects and you could pivot any any which way or if you want to stay your traditional pm path that's there too um we introduce things like a global professional development fund so access um on day one no criteria on tenure so from day one you could apply to access a pool of funds to upskill in different areas that you're interested in and exploring in um it's about creating an environment so no matter your role your tenure your level of seniority you have the right 
access, you have the access to the right training, the right learning, the right environment at the right time. And our team's job is to build that environment. Okay. Um, when we had a chat when I first met you a few weeks ago, uh, we, we, we spoke about the concept of talent hotbeds. Um, and as I've yeah. got you on here, rather than me try to explain what they are, um, what are they and, and how, how do they fit into the career experience journey? Yeah, great, great question. I, so talent hotbeds are pretty fascinating, right? So if you look at um, sprinters out of Jamaica or um, you've got rugby players coming out of New Zealand and things like this where you've got these little wells where you're like, what is this? There's something in the water in this particular location, whether it's a school or a country or a place or a team. Um, what are the things that are creating this such high output of top talent? And when you start diving into that, understand a little bit deeper, how do organizations then create their own little talent hotbeds and go on to grow? So you build a really strong succession pipeline, great talent coming out of specific teams. And it boils down to a number of different things, right? So the first thing is a relentless attitude towards continuing. So everything is, every piece of feedback is useful. That's coming in at all angles. Managers are acting like coaches, really strong coaches to say, what could you do differently? How do you get there? I'm not going to hold your hand, manage you here. You're going to learn through difficulty, but I'm here every step of the way to take you through that. The other aspect is actually volume. So you're putting content in people's hands and, and you're, like I said, creating the environment so they can access lots of different experiences and things. I think one of the things we're guilty of is saying, the program for what we've determined as top talent, performance ratings, which inherently in their very nature, if you do an annual appraisal, you're relying on the gut feel of a manager plus a little bit of, you know, objective setting, which again can be so objective. So, you know, creating these this idea of internal talent hotbeds is actually like we stem, we go back to creating this environment. And you've got to be coaching your managers to understand that actually if someone leaves your organization, and my organization, your team or your your charter, um, they are moving on and in your business, you've done your job. You've done a really good job by handing that person off and into their next steps. Now, the problem we've got is mindsets are, I've got to hold on to this because if I lose them, I'm under-resourced and I've got to go find somewhere else instead of thinking as managers, as mobilizers, right? So it's like, my job is to build you, create your capability. The number one job of a leader is to unlock the capability in human beings. If I can unlock your potential, you'll take the next step and you'll keep adding value back into the business. We spoke about engagement earlier and you can literally take an engagement scale and you can attach return on investment, right? So if you think about human capital as an investment, right? When someone comes into the organization, they're actively engaged, which means they're adding value back in for what they're being paid as a salary. Now, as people slide down the engagement scale, they start slowly drifting away and being less productive. And that's when you, you, see, you know, we've, we've been sort of quiet quitting and da, da, da. When you're less engaged, you start adding less value back in for what you're doing. So you're a sweet spot in people, HR leadership, sort of top quartile as much as you can so they're adding back in they they send that extra email they write that extra paragraph they do that extra thing when we talk about hotbeds you're creating people who are operating in that quartile to 80 90 of the top now an important part of uh, career experience i should imagine is employee well-being and that seems to be um, an area that will certainly if i look over the last year or so i've been increasingly involved in in the research i do 
Um, and it's been touched on in quite a few of the conversations I've had, obviously, uh, around this podcast and when I'm out and about at events. Um, what initiatives uh, have you overseen at Fisherwack Health uh, that help to uh, support and improve uh, well, well-being for the people there? Yeah, I think it's important to know that at, in our organisation, we've got um, combined effort from not just the career experience team, not just the DNI team, but the HR team as a whole. But putting it on the agenda has been the first thing. Now, as a team, how we do that and we support that is a couple of different ways. We um, we have over 50 mentally health, uh, mental health first aid trainers in our organisation across the UK and the US. So investing in people to get the skill to be mentally health first, tra- uh, first aid trained. How our organisation is wired to wellness. And what I mean by that is we are about to introduce program an initiative called project rebalance which is coming out of it what rebalance is aiming to do is basically set the scales reset the scales in terms of how we work when we work why we work and then actually protecting time throughout your day week month year other things than doing the thing that we is in our tray whether that is learning whether that is inclusion whether it's a town hall or an extra piece of educational learning so we're being smarter with how we're asking people to spend their time and that's, that's it. You can't cure wellness with yoga and additional days off here and there. Like to be able to dramatically move the needle on mental health, you need to look at how your organization is actually working, the practices around that, because burnout does not come or, you know, it's not one direct cause just by working too much. Burnout is the environment, again, that you're working in. It's going to elevate stress levels or not. That's going to lead to eventual burnout. So, for example, if you've got leaders and managers who are applying lots of pressure, always on micromanaging, providing roles, lack of expectations, your stress levels will never increase for months on end. Combine that with a cost of living crisis, a post-pandemic era, and everything else that the world is going through. People are going to inevitably start to really suffer as well as being back to back, back to back, back to back. So you've got to look at your managerial your practices, getting people the right education internally. Okay. The, the, I think it's important, you know, this is, you're, you're describing obviously a very open, uh, I suppose, organisation with open lines of communication. I think one of the, um, one of the pieces of research I've referred to a lot that I was involved with showed that um, most employees aren't comfortable um going to a manager supervisor leaders directors to say that, that they're struggling with their mental health they're, they're, they're feeling under pressure um if they, they they really feel they need a couple of days off or a couple of days out of it um they'll make an excuse they they won't give the real reason so i'm i'm guessing that for this to work you know there there, there, there needs to be the openness you know and, and organizationally we're we it's still something i think we're we're slowly getting used to this kind of openness having the conversations but from what you've said would you say uh career experience you know they're, they're, people working in that area within the organization it, it's almost their job to make sure there is this kind of open culture open dialogue uh, exactly and we're talking about them as creating psychological safety right yeah making sure that our job as a team is to definitely embed that culture of psychological safety across the entire organization it's funny like if we were talking to a manager and we had gone running and we'd sprained our ankle over the weekend we'd be quite open as you say to say oh, i sprained my ankle over the weekend it's in a bad way as soon as we shift that pain up to our minds all of a sudden we have a barrier and how the organization talks about sickness um, and how you use a sickness 
policy and just making sure employees know that that day is there for your mind just as much as it is if you were to you know hurt your leg arm or ankle etc um so yeah the the role of that cxp team is career experience team is to create psychological safety and when you create that employees feel free to express themselves whether that is to improve something change something but also be vulnerable but beyond that the only the only way you can actually get psychological safety is through role modeling through leaders if you get leaders actively stepping in to say do you know what i had to take yesterday off because i just needed a, a moment um i was i was feeling it i was suffering um, my mental health was suffering here's what I did to help improve that um, role modeling that behavior lets everyone else around you know that it's okay um, and when people know it's okay they're feel more inclined and uh, to step in and, and raise their voice um, if business leaders uh, HR professionals are, are listening uh, to this conversation and wondering how can they get started on this journey you know what what where do I begin I would love to have somebody like Nick in the organization to really take a look holistically at everything we're doing um what would your advice be always start from a place of data and that was the most important place we did and when i initially joined the organization that was it's fair to say it was a slight reluctance to from the um the leadership at the time to really go out and listen like really intently listen through data um and that's just uh, a, a sort of a response from growing from a small agency to 800 people now with new leadership comes a new appetite to get that listening data, which I'm really pleased we've been able to do and get. So we combine that real solid quantitative data. Why are people staying? Why are they leaving? And when they're here, what are they telling us that needs to change, improve? What do people want want from their careers? Um, Getting all that information and insight enables you to build a very focused and honed in plan to achieve it. Now you've got to combine what the people want with where the organization is needing to go for sustainability growth and scale and you have a sweet spot in there where you'll have a very select number of priorities which will be two or three things um do one or two three things one two or three things and focus on one two or three things do them to completion do them really well and and go and the people you need to execute some of this for you they may exist in your people community but i've built a team from zero to seven and all of those, bar one, are internal moves. Every single one has come into my career experience team, bar one, and we needed some digital learning expertise to bring into the team. Everyone else is internal um, because people want to help people. Um, you don't have to have a degree uh, in HR. You don't have to have 20 years in L&D to be able to run and operate in career experience. You need a passion for improvement. You need to be open to coaching. You need to be ready to upskill yourself. You need a massive amount of learning agility for sure. But you need the right behaviors and the behaviors to, to lead a CXP team and run in the CXP are continuous improvement, being amazing with feedback, innovation, creativity, design, pace, but just a genuine passion for wanting to improve the lives of your colleagues around you. And that is our relentless vision to create this incredible place for people to work. We are just obsessed about it. Um, so if you're a leader, you're a HR professional going, yeah, but I have, there's 100 people in my business and there's just me and an HR advisor. That's okay. You've got to start talking to your team about careers. Again, what's the first thing you could do in the next three months that's going to change and improve the life of people around you? Start talking about careers as as rock climbing walls, as portfolios. Change the narrative. You have it in your control. And a lot of people think this is a really difficult thing to be able to go and do and you need a load of investment. Nonsense. You just need to start. Um, start executing and acting on, on the things you're hearing. As soon as you give people a voice and then you're consistent about giving people a voice... 
you then you've got this constant funnel of ideas to act on and, and do. And when you act on an idea, you complete it, you get trust. It builds that, that trust, that buying in your organization. And once you've done one thing, you've proved to the organization it's successful. Then you start to scale and grow a team around you based on the, on the return on the investment that you've created. And then all of a sudden, you'll find people stay. And when people stay, you'll find people are, are more engaged. And when they're more engaged, you'll find business outputs increase. And we're, we're seeing a, an interesting trend like that at the moment. Fascinating conversation, Nick. Uh, before uh, we, we, we finish, I suppose the one question I would uh, ask you is looking further ahead, how do you see this evolving? Because it's, as I said, when I was uh, first met you, it, to me, it was a, not a new concept because obviously I've been writing and researching around these areas for a long time. But it's kind of to see you kind of you know, there representing an organization as the head of career experience. Um, how do you see this developing over the next yeah. few years? I mean, will this be a, do you see this as being very specific to maybe different types of organizations? Uh, would it be, you know, divisional heads of career experience or is it more just a, a, a complete culture shift within organizations? Yeah, I think it is a branch of people that will break. Actually, I see it breaking away. I do see the evolution of HR taking two very different tracks um, and I, you know, in the future, I see there is one side of HR, which is focused on analytics, operations, making sure the business is functioning beautifully and sustainably and smoothly. And the other version of HR is that everything that I've just spoken about this morning is how do you attract amazing people, keep them, grow them, progress them through the organization? I, I think there's two ways. How do you make sure they feel included through amazing inclusion and DNI practices as well as wellness and growth and progression? There are two bits of HR. Um, and I think it's okay we can start to talk about that and we can we can we don't always have to lump everything under the human resources or people and culture umbrella. They can be two different things and I think they are. And it, it's gonna basically I've started writing a paper around EX into hyperdrive. So employee experience into hyperdrive, um, which is it's gonna be a hyper personalized experience. It's gonna be um, hyperhuman as automation gets better and technology becomes smoother. That's going to free time up to be more human, more inter more personable, more deliberate. Um, it's going to be hyper-connected. We're going to have people working all over the world in remote places all the time. Now that's not going to go away. It's only going to get more. Um, and it'll be hyper-healthy because health will be right back on our agenda once we calm down from what's happening outside in the world. So when you go back to the beginning, one of the questions you first asked me is, what is an employee experience when they step foot in the business? Well, if you think about that new EX into hyperdrive, I'll get a notification on my phone that says, welcome to the business with a personalized message from the CEO, which says, click here to start your journey. And then you'll be able to see the next two, four, five years unfold in front of you. Um, mm -hmm. You'll get notifications when it's time to get your help health checked in your organization on a quarterly basis your manager will be nudged to say hey this person um flagged up as a potentially they're suffering a little bit here's some techniques and techniques right it's just going to transform the way we work now organizations are going to be the ones that are going to be succeeding in the next five and ten years organizations are going oh that sounds a bit you know i'm just going to stick to my lane are going to slow uh and ultimately when the talent market becomes back into the plans is I mean, it's amazing how we saw the shift quickly. You know, the great attrition is coming. Everyone focused on employee experience. It's like, and now the market's a bit topsy-turvy, maybe a recession, maybe not. People are staying put a little bit longer. That's going to change again in the next two years. Um, and the employee experience needs to be firmly back on the agenda. Start mapping it out now. Start talking about it now with your business and start building um, a capability set within your people team to be able to deliver something awesome for your people. 
And how can people um, find you? Um, how can they connect with you and ask you some of these questions? Because I'm, I'm hopefully this conversation would have yeah. inspired uh, a lot of listeners to think, you know what, we need to start looking at this in our organisation. Yeah, look, reach out. I I love talking to like-minded people. So you can find the best place to search for me on LinkedIn. I post a lot of things and my thoughts go out there. Um, so search for Nick Holmes, Fisher Work Health on LinkedIn. I'm sure it will come up. And um, just ping me a note, send me a message. Let's talk if you need help, support, ideas, anything. I'll, I'll always make time. So yeah, please do connect. Let's chat. Nick, thank you for your time. And it's been a, a fabulous uh, uh, to talk to you. And um, we've we've learned a lot today. Me too. And it's always a pleasure to chat. But yeah, thank you so much for having me and allowing me to rant and rave at you for half an hour. <laughs> it wasn't ranting or raving. Anyway. <laughs> Cheers, man. Okay. Bye.